You know, you can tell a lot about a woman by the contents of her purse, but maybe that's not what you had in mind. Hey, look. Elastigirl. Mr. Incredible. No, it's all right. I've got him. Sure you've got him. I just took him out for well, you. Sure you took him out. His attention was on me. A fact I exploited to do my job. My job, you mean? A simple thank you will suffice. Thanks, but I don't need any help. Whatever happened to ladies first? Well, whatever happened to equal treatment? Hey, look, wait. The lady got me first. Oh! Well, we could share you. I work alone. Well, I think you need to be more... Are you doing anything later? I have a previous engagement. Robert Parr, will you have this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? You're late. When you asked me if I was doing anything later, I didn't realize you'd actually forgotten. I thought it was playful banter. It was playful banter. Cutting it kind of close, don't you think? You need to be more flexible. Welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that puts the plus in Disney Plus. It's Talking to Mickey. My name is Ian. My name's Ellie. I'm Georgia. And I'm Ethan. And I think we need to rip the band-aid off right away and just go, this is Georgia's last episode. Not ever. Not ever. So we're going, no. But uh, it's Georgia's last episode for the summer. Woo! I mean, no. <laughs> So we have heavily negotiated the film list while Georgia's away. <laughs> not that we've got bad ones, but just ones that Georgia went. There's nothing that we're not allowed to do anything that she just can't miss that review. Because we're not going to review something twice. No. Or do a special to. bonus episode that's just 30 minutes of Georgia ranting about, about us for reviewing something without her. <laughs> <laughs> and then like five minutes of content about the film itself. I get that anyway. <laughs> but we have got some really good films lined up. For we do. And, and, some, and some really good guests. Yes. Which is nice. We've got some guests from across our... It's almost like we've got like a little like extended Potter and family, if you will. Aww. We've got peeps from our, our social circle here and outside our social circle here and friends we've made in the podcasting world and friends we made in the real world. You said that the podcasting world's not real. Yes, I am. If, please go out and see the three-dimensional people at some point. But thank you so much for tuning in and spending some time with us today. As and we... back to me, it's very sad that I'm not going to be here for at least six weeks. I feel like my moment was cut short there. Don't cut short the moment. <laughs> I'm going to be gone for six weeks. This is an important moment in time. No, but it is, that is important. You need, you need, much like a good film, you need to you let that moment breathe and give it what it needs before you move Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm need... being ousted for six weeks. Apparently I've done something wrong. Something worse <laughs> than choosing the wild as a film. <laughs> I'd like to uh, state that uh, we are not suspending Georgia for six weeks. <laughs> She's for, chosen to oust herself. For, for, for not, that's our penalty. For not controlling Ethan <laughs> and letting him choose the wild. We are punishing not Ethan because he yeah, didn't know any better. We're punishing Georgia. We even let Ethan pick again. <laughs> we did. And it was today's. Actually, it was a nice segue. But uh, I think it's, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about... Uh, I'm kind of getting over the sleep deprivation from our super 4th of July kind of week of podcasts but um madness well, it, almost 10 days later you're just about getting over it well, well we, we, we do two podcasts as you know and uh but i I'll, do know that I, I i will say something though hamilton 
has done exceedingly well for us. Uh, like, I'm very <laughs> like like uh, me too because it was a long one. And actually, we did get some love uh, out there from the most magical pod on Earth, who are like a Disney Parks, UK-based Disney Parks podcast. And they talk primarily about Florida. Ethan, this would be right up your bag because you've got a trip to Florida coming up in the not-so-so-distant future, we hope. Oh, hopefully. I mean, it's in two years' time, yeah. so we'll see what happens. We'll see what but, happens. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm planning. I've got, I've got my, my, my battery bounding but, all but planned up already. Before we hit the air, I did look and see that Florida had its single greatest increase in a day again today. <laughs> so uh, it's definitely trending in the wrong direction as far as that goes. But back to the most magical pot on Earth. They do a really, really good job. And dude sounds like he's in a radio station. It's not too often I hear a podcast out there from like, an, like you know, uh, a comparable sort of um, people who aren't professionals, like like absolute professionals, and go, um, man, your your audio quality is better than ours. But dang, his audio quality is better than ours. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the bastard's got maybe even more charisma than I do, <laughs> and, yet, <laughs> and yet I'm okay with this. He's a really charming guy. Uh, we exchanged some messages, and he, and he he listened to. I sort of reached out and said, "Hey, we might be kindred spirits. You know, you're a British podcast that does parks. We're a British podcast that does the movies." And he said, "I'm I'm downloading your Hamilton episode now." And then the next day, he went, listened to the whole thing, loved it. And I'm like, "You can't be referring to the Hamilton. That's three hours, bro." And he went, "No, loved it." And it seems to me the consensus that people who are, do- with the exception of a few people who are just mad at Hamilton for existing, people seem to really like the Hamilton um, episode. So that's nice because, oh dear God, that was a long time recording and editing that. I'm very glad I had to read a whole book for that. Yes. <laughs> Again. And, uh, you didn't have to read Ethan, the book. You say it's like it was some sort uh, of I got chore. news. The last I book, was forced at gunpoint. The last book Ethan read went one fish, two fish, red fish. I'll let you finish <laughs> it. <laughs> so, if it's a book I'm reading, it's either a cookbook or a Star Wars book. So it was a nice change of pace for me. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so uh, with that in mind, we are now pivoting and talking about. We've we had Frozen Two. Frozen Two is quite nice as well, and it's doing very well. So thank you if you if this is the first time you're listening to us, or if you've joined us through Hamilton or even through Frozen Two slash Frozen One. Uh, thank you, uh, welcome, and we're talking today about the four of us, the Incredibles. Hey, hey. hey. Who, who's who? That's that, that's a fun one to do at the end. Can we can, can we can we can we come back to that? Although I know which yeah. one, I'll, uh, without question, I know which one I end up being. So there we are. Well, syndrome. syndrome. Yeah, I'm elastic girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, actually, I have, I have a friend who probably fancies himself as elastic girl. So um, <laughs> let's take a look at that. And Ethan, I asked you if you would hit up some context corner. I did a little bit of research myself, but I think you probably got more done than I did. So. What can you tell us about um, about The Incredibles? Yeah, so The Incredibles, I got all this from a Spanish documentary, so let's hope the translation's right. <laughs> so The Incredibles, directed by Brad Bird, who you might know from The Iron Giant, Ratatouille, uh, Mission Impossible 4, I think. Um, he came up with this concept about ooh, 10 years before the film came out in 2004, and it was originally called The Invincibles, it was going to be this 2D animated film, kind of like how the Iron Giant was. Uh, and the original uh, pitch was very different. There was only going to be one child, no Jack, uh, no Dash, no Violet. It was going to focus only on Mr. Incredible, but he wanted the main focus to always be uh, about the marriage because he wanted it to be about the mundane and the fantastic, not the superhero element. His uh, description was, this film is 
a family drama with slight superhero themes. Now, so, slight. Now, the research I did, which kind of is interesting, because it was almost in some ways semi-autobiographical in the sense that he yeah. fe- he was going through his midlife crisis. <laughs> no, he was. He was going through his midlife crisis, and he was sitting there going, um, I feel like in order to exceed to excel at what, what I'm doing professionally, I'm going to have to sacrifice my family. And am I willing to do that? And so from this is born this notion of a superhero family where the father is living in his past glory days and the strains and pressures that puts on the um, marriage. It's uh, also actually further shown because uh, in the animation, they made both Mr. Incredible and Syndrome kind of look like uh, extended caricature versions of Brad Bird. Oh, is that throughout, really? Like, yeah, they were like, oh, oops, I accidentally made it kind of look like me. Who would have thought I look like the superhero? <laughs> because I'm going to argue that Mr. Incredible kind of does, like in, in the great tradition of Pixar films, he does also share a resemblance with the actor who voices him. Yeah, he does. He does. I can't remember the name but oh craig t yeah. nelson he was uh, for anybody oh, who's an yeah. american listener of a certain age uh he's probably most well known for playing uh the title character in the american sitcom coach um i'm trying to think he i think he's on brothers and sisters or something like that as the patriarch of the family i could be wrong on that but uh, his biggest thing was he was a comedic actor in something called coach so uh yeah so after the um the current CEO at the time of Pixar... Your best friend. My, my, my best friend, John Lasseter. <laughs> uh, he, he brought them on board because they went to the, sa- they went to the same uh, school for, for animation. It was, the first, uh, it was the first character animation program at CalArts. And he went, oh, I like Brad Bird. He doesn't do much because he's always focusing on these one projects at a time. He doesn't get that much work because he's... Uh, He's a bit of a character when he comes to work. I've written down in my in my notes, Brad Bird is insane. He's he like is just throwing with like passion and energy, but it comes out like like a like a very excited Labrador puppy, which is just lightning. Okay. Uh, not like not like Lightning McQueen. Uh, it's that's the best lightning. Okay. Um, but because of that, uh, Steve Jobs, Ed Catmull, and. Uh, John Lasseter chose him for the for a film because they went. They were we're worried that uh, we're becoming too complacent and we want something that's going to have like loads of energy and bring something new to the table. So he, mm-hmm. he came on board and they went, "Hey, you know how we brought you on board for this two D animated film? Yeah, no, 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 we're going to make this three D." And it's like, okay, guess we'll do that. So everyone in the animation department had to begin to learn three D animation from that, and they thought this would take ten years to make, and it took like about three or four. They had to come up with a whole new animation style for uh, muscle movement because at the time, Pixar had never fully done um, a film featuring only humans. All the other films had been animals and uh, toys. That's right, because even things like... Now, is this before or after Monsters, Inc.? Is after Monsters, Inc.? This was after, yeah. Yeah, so you had a couple of scenes in Monsters, Inc., but really you were really looking with Boo, and Boo's a toddler and doesn't move the same as a... And then you're looking at, like... She's normally in, like, a big monster yeah. costume anyway and, and, and then you're looking at like uh toy story where like the humans are such afterthoughts that you don't really do much with it and toy uh physics i'm assuming are much much different so i was really surprised when i when i read that this was the first all adult film but i went yeah i guess of course it is so i said in my research that they like filmed the writers like walking around so they could get like yeah. the muscle movements right <laughs> yeah they had like all because they wanted uh all the like uh, facial features and expressions and all the movements correct and 
yeah, I saw these side by sides of like the exact same movements that like Syndrome does when he's moving around, and even the fight between um, Bob and Helen. It's exactly the same as the the filmed um, examples they did uh, with the writers, which is so really really cool. Put a lot of effort into like how humans and things moves and like the physics mm. of humans moving, or whatever. They didn't put much effort into the physics of face masks. Can we talk about that a second? Like, <laughs> you want to jump? Like, their eyes. That's not, that's, not, <laughs> that's not how they work. No, it's kind of like they're like human raccoons for a little bit. It's just part of their skin. <laughs> and you kind of go, oh, maybe they paint them on, or no. like maybe they're like, are, you, are you quite? No, because we see them take them on. Are you and questioning off. Edna's work? Edna makes breathable fabrics. <laughs> I'm not questioning Edna. I'm questioning the mask visit. If, um, if Edna could explain it, that would be fine. Kind of probably could. Um, now, Ethan, you mentioned the Iron Giant. Like the Iron Giant was not an, a financial success. No, no. So he was no, kind of no, smarting no. after this. So he's not like people believe in his ability as an as uh, as as an artist, as a as a director, but he's never really been bankable, really, at this point. No, this is like his real first sort of blockbuster hit. Uh, this made six hundred thirty-one million at the box office, which I don't, I do not know the the numbers that uh, Giant made, but this was a ninety-two million budget <laughs> Much film. Much more. So this is this is like a lot, a lot. The words better. I kept reading with Iron Giant were box office disappointments, hmm. and it's really interesting that Pixar. I guess it's the, it's the Lasseter effect, something that you're very familiar with. Um, <laughs> however. Um, we need to consider that this is the first time Pixar went to an outside director. Oh yeah, like and everything had been in house until this point, and so Brad Bird's a bit of a a bit of a leap of faith, and I guess one that uh, one that paid off literally. Hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. <laughs> anything else? Um, this is like a cool little fact that I that I that I thought was nice, especially one of the episodes we did. Um, the supervising animators, uh, there were three of them: uh, Tony Facile, Steve Hunter, and Alan Barillo. Um, they were called the Three Caballeros, and they were the three people who would uh, sort of bring Brad sort of back to earth. And I think it was Tony was the one that was always. He'd mumble something, be like, "Oh, I think maybe you should be moved there." And then Brad would be like, "Oh yeah, exactly what Tony says. We need to do this, do this," and he'd get exactly. Uh, the idea that Tony was coming through. So the four of them together with this amazing powerhouse. And another little thing that I think is just really fun, and it's a, it's a very Pixar fact, is that um, when they were still coming up for character designs, the two character designers that were there, Ted Newton and uh, I think that's uh, John Romano, I think. Sure. Lou, oh, sorry, Lou Romano, okay. who is the voice of the teacher actually in the film, um, had a bunch of drawings and paintings done uh, that they were going to show. Uh, brad at some point so they went over to his house for the brainstorming and they went we're going to be here for a while so they they all went over in their pajamas and had like a bit of a a sleepover slumber party brainstorming session and that's just Love a it. very pixar fact that i thought was, oh, was really, really interesting um oh yeah and they used the jungle book as the reference for their physics because they wanted to show sort of the real strength in each character and huh. the one example they used was when mowgli was climbing up the tree with uh bagheera yeah interesting uh, I got a couple of little facts on the back end of that. Uh, Bird and Fusil uh, tried to emphasize the graphic quality that 2D animation could do to the Pixar team to get rid of a little bit of that 2D, 3D, um, I guess, bias or going that computers will fix everything and said even though it's going to be 3D, you need to ground it in high-quality animation very similar to 2D. And it said that Bird was blown away by the ability for the camera just to shift at any point. He's like, this is amazing because you couldn't, you couldn't find these sorts of angles in traditional animation. But the irony was that he was trying to teach the Pixar guys about Disney's nine old men 
who were kind of the legendary nine core animators through the golden age of Disney. And so it took someone from outside of the Disney Pixar bubble to teach the Pixar boys about the glorious back history of Disney animation, which I thought was quite interesting. And just one last quote, which I think is a good place to leave uh, Context Corner, and it is, uh, the supervising director, Rick Sayer, said the hardest thing about this film was there was no hardest thing. Everything was the hardest thing. It had a bigger story, a longer running time, four times the number of locations of any previous Pixar film. Plus, they oh, had yeah, to do things like sets. yeah. Plus, they do things like fire, water, air, smoke, steam, and explosions, which they really hadn't had to consider that much previously. So, I mean, definitely an ambitious project. Oh yeah. So, with that, let's get into the Incredibles. Um, Les Incredibles. Les Incredibles, as they would say on the West End. <laughs> um, this is the uh, this is the opposite. This is the sequel to the Miserables. We have the Incredibles, um, <laughs> and it starts back fifteen years prior, probably in the early, late sorry early fifties, late forties kind of timeline. Uh, yeah, I think the 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 fact on it was because uh, it's very it's very sixties inspired. Even when Brad Bird did his his pitch, he wanted it to be set in the mid-60s, but it begins in the 50s, because when he did the pitch, he played little 60s music bites uh, every so often to be like, oh yeah, so then this will happen. Then he presses a little uh, cassette player, and they'd be like, yeah. and he'd be like, yeah, then Sandra would come through, do all this, do all that. <laughs> it's like Olaf is doing the film pitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, The Incredibles uh, film. So, we, we get introduced through like this it's almost, none of you guys are old enough, really, to have that reel-to-reel projector in a classroom. And it's that kind of grainy footage with the vertical lines that come down with it. And it's yeah. like they've done like a documentary with like, and you can see them having the, 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 the lav mics on, the, on their lapels. Yeah. And they're kind of talking and like they're unaware of how to act when they're being filmed. And it's like you just grab regular people and say, we're doing a documentary on you. And uh, Craig T. Nelson has a very young and handsome Mr. Incredible at the start here. And um, all done through talking heads, almost like you're watching The Office or Modern Family or something like that. Or, or the ABC-Disney combination Muppets uh, sort of show, which you can get on uh, Disney+. Plus. Um, it was good. I liked it. Um, and he said, sometimes, Mr. Credible, you can see this bits of it. Sometimes I just want the world to stay saved. And it's interesting given what the characters will eventually turn into, but he has that sort of soundbite. And Mr. Incredible wants to settle down, and we find out another superhero called Elastigirl does not want to settle down. And again, interesting given where those characters will go 15 years later, as far as what they'll get their sort of uh, fulfillment in. And already, I mean, we must be 90 seconds max into the film, and I have written down what a score. God bless you, Michael Giacchino. Oh, I, 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 I love Michael Giacchino scoring this. It is the, the, like, the cherry on top for this. Whenever I think Incredibles, I go, oh, yeah, that opening score, beautiful. That, 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 that like, six-note riff or, or whatever, whatever you want to call that, sting, uh, it's yeah. just it's, – it, it, it's, it's a superhero world. Mm. You get that. It's superhero with, with tinges of spy kind of in there at the yeah, same time. Yeah, yeah. Which is a good even way to kind of – Even at the opening credits, you don't even get the Disney – or Pixar noise, you get the the like spy almost superhero. Oh, I did not notice that, but you're right. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't Disney at all. It was that theme already. So 
right it's, into it. It's so 1950s, and Mr. Incredible has an obligation he has to go to. We don't know what it is, but he's got time. And so he sees there's uh, the cops are chasing a bank robber or something like that. And I've gotten my notes here. I get that Mr. Incredible has superpowers. How does he get all these spy gadgets? Because that was kind of left indeterminate. Edna. Edna. Edna, she's just costumes on the side of her other job as like a super mechanic. Did you see her like lair? She had all these things in there. Wouldn't it be cool if Edna had like a brother called like Eddie? Eddie and Edna, and Eddie does like uh, how how gender role of me. The boy can do the cars, but we know Edna does the costumes. So maybe she's got a, another sister, Edwina. Edna and Edwina, and, and, and Edwina <laughs> is the one who like does like the cars and the gadgets and all that sort of stuff. It is very cool because he's got uh, like he's got like a sat nav in like nineteen fifty one. At this point, like the government or whatever was supporting the superheroes and okay maybe it was not yeah, yeah. The police this was before all the there is an idea that they're so. foot, in, foot in the bill we do get, okay fair enough you talk me into that oh yeah because that that nsa uh doesn't stand for national Sec- uh, security agency it's like national superhero agency or yes. something in this universe there we go then and so mr incredible stops in the middle of the road because there's a cat and tree and i kind of wanted to go pro- priorities man but this is where, we, but this is important. Okay. It, he has time. It introduces us to, to to the powers of Mr. Incredible, and he pulls a tree out by its roots, and shakes the uh, cat out, and then eventually puts the tree down, and that's what stops the oncoming uh, bank robber and crashes him into a tree. Which, if we're being honest, would murder that guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and he puts like the tree back in the ground because that's how root systems work. <laughs> Just, it's, it's just like a USB, isn't it? You plug it in, it's good to go. Wouldn't it be unstable it's at just all? just for show. Yeah. It might have taken again. And it might have done. He You'd gets, have to water it back in. But. You would. He gets back into the car and we meet Incrediboy. Uh, I'm your number one fan. And then we cut to outside of the car from a distance and he just gets like thrown out of the car. Now, <laughs> uh, at this point, it's a different voice. But what do we think about Incrediboy when he shows up at this point? Punchable. I. Oh, I like Incrediboy. Really? I really do. Mm. I just, I have in my notes that his line that just says, um, not all superheroes have powers. And then me just looking in the direction of Batman, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have in my notes here. Have you, apparently Mr. Incredible's never met Batman because he's hundred percent right. Because, <laughs> um, uh, uh, and then um, we find another situation where Mr. Incredible ends up on top of a roof. And uh, he's got this guy. I don't know what he's done. Stolen a purse, I think. Oh, he's stolen a purse. That's right. Because there was a joke about you can tell a lot about a woman by what's going on in her purse. And I'm like, whoa, is the Incredibles going all like, all like uh, misogynist, transphobic, something right here? But no, it was just he'd stolen a woman's purse. And as he's talking, uh, the the burglar is punched in the face by Elastigirl. And we have some some heavy superhero flirting. Oh yes. Between Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl. And he asks what you she's tell this was before Disney intervention too badly, can't you? Because like some of the bits in this film are very Pixar, and by very <laughs> oh, Pixar yeah. I mean not exactly universal. True, but <laughs> but but it is all inferential, which 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 I do appreciate. For the most part it's all inferential. Oh absolutely, but yeah. that's what makes it that's what makes it so good. Yes. Um and so she goes, no, I've got a prior engagement. And I'm just realizing now how perfect the word engagement was. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't quite clicked in on the uh, literality of, of, of that word. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get that. At which point there's like another message. He goes, oh, I've still got time. And there's a guy who's jumping to his death 
because he's committing suicide. But Mr. Incredible dives across from the alleyway across the road and grabs the guy midair and like, like spears him, WWE style, and puts him through the window of this bank. And wouldn't you just know, it just happens to be the perfect time for, what was the guy's? Bomb bom- Voyage. Is it, I think it's Bomb bom Voyage. Bomb Voyage. It's bomb like a bomb. going to be called oh, Bomb Perignon yeah. or something. A Bomb Perignon would have been good. They, yeah, they would have done that. Because he was French. They, but they, oh, Voyage they, is French. They, they, they didn't like it because they're like, we don't really want our brand associated you know, with, a, with a French oh, terrorist, yeah. <laughs> even if it's in a kid's film. Even if he's like a mime. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I liked Bomb Voyage. And then this is where Incredible Boy shows up with these cool, like, rocket shoes. And he goes, not every superhero has powers. I invented these. And I'm going, you know, holy invention, Black Batman. And then Bomb Voyage puts a bomb on, uh, what's his name, Buddy? Is that his actual name? Yeah. Buddy's. Uh, well, I don't, think, I don't think it's his actual name, but it's what. I think it is his actual name. Does he introduce himself as Buddy at one point? He calls him Buddy. Because You're, he's trying to remember his name. The record a couple of different. Oh, is that all it is? Okay. Um, and so there's an explosion, and it takes out part of a bridge, not a bridge, of the railway bridge line above ground rail system, whatever it's called. Monorail. It's not a monorail, though, because it's got more than one track. It's a railway bridge. A monorail mono means one. Oh, the monorail's in the other. In the, mono in the... means one. Rail <laughs> means rail. Monorail. Monorail. Monorail, <laughs> which, counts, which counts. Which counts, because you can see it on Disney Plus now. <laughs> I hear those things are awfully loud. It moves as softly as a cloud. Is there a chance the track could bend? Moving on. Um, um, so, and then we find out he's still late for an event. And as he shows up, we see Iceman, who was around earlier, as the best man. And there's some fun wordplay between uh, what's prior engagement that he is getting married to Elastigirl. And she yells at him for being late. He tells her to be more flexible, which was great. Um, and then she says, you need to really, if we're going to get married, you have to be in for this. You have to go ahead. You're a partnership now. We're a team. You get that, right? And he just happens to say, I do. Which is, which is funny because that's what you say at weddings. Yeah. I do. And then we cut to 15 years later, and it wasn't edgy because it wasn't lowercase for anybody who was listening to Best (laughs) Film Ever, and we saw how The Crow was being edgy for one year later. That's Best Film Ever, which you can go ahead and find on uh, your podcaster of choice, or podcatcher of choice, I should say. Hopefully we are your podcasters of choice. You would not believe how many references we got in for Talking the Mickey on an episode about Revenge killing. revenge killing and, and, and Disney podcasts. Just a natural fit. On Speaking of revenge, uh, Mr. Incredible is sued. That's a heck of a uh, segue on that. <laughs> sued by the guy who he saved. Uh, because he wanted... He, you didn't save my life. You ruined my death, I think, is the line. Ah, <laughs> uh, Disney. And it's so life grainy. probably wouldn't come out to death. No, and no. it's so grainy and pixelated, which was great. These little touches that were done with animation throughout. Uh, and then we have superhero lawsuits and the superhero relocation program. And this is part of the 15 years later. And there's an insurance policy uh, is kind of uh, that's what uh, Bob works at now. He's no longer Mr. Credible. He's Bob who works uh, at insurance claims and he can't turn anybody down. He's too nice of a guy. And he's getting yelled at by Mr. House. Mr. House is yelling at a much bigger guy, almost like uh, a, a giant he's yelling at. Almost like he's talking about Iocane powder because Mr. House is played by Wallace Shawn, I'm sure of it, who was yep. P- Vizini himself from The Princess Bride. 
does he also voice Rex in Toy Story? Yes, yes he does. Okay, because I have I have in my notes the insurance boss. Who is that? I know that voice. Yeah. And then I put Rex. Is it Rex? It's like, gonna be apparently. it's gonna be quite the week on the podcast or the podcast also family. That ghost boy. He's that ghost boy in Haunted Mansion as well. He's also the debate class teacher in Clueless. Clueless will be dropping on next Tuesday on Best Film Ever with Wallace Shawn as the debate teacher. Oh, is that what you chose to do? Clueless, yes. <laughs> I wasn't on the podcast oh. last night, so I don't know. Clueless. Yeah, m- much like the name of the film, Georgia was clueless about Clueless. <laughs> also, and- speaking of Clueless, uh, here's a great place to put in our shout out for Dwayne. Um, yeah, I don't know who many actors are. Thanks for pointing it out. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Smith, you are our Andrew Oshevsky memorial shout out of the week. So thank you very much for uh, engaging with both podcasts, actually. Dwayne Smith knows where to get his podcast from because he <laughs> listens to one to find out about the other. Top marks for Dwayne. I also be want like, to say Clueless at least once. Be like Clueless. <laughs> be like Dwayne Smith, who is not Clueless. He's he's he he knows more about our schedule than Georgia might at this point. He probably does. I don't know who Bill Murray is. <laughs> what? <laughs> moving on, moving on. And so this is where we, we we sort of introduce ourselves to the kids. And I'm sorry. How convenient is it that they named a kid Dash who then happens to get like this is like the same like logic that led to Scar in The Lion King. Like <laughs> self he hasn't at least Scar had a different name before he got his Scar. Did he? It meant like trash or How something. How do you know yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. How do you know the that? Translation was it book. was was um, the book. The book doesn't count. But in the there. film he's Scar. He doesn't go, "Hi Uncle Scar who previously was known as blah blah blah." <laughs> The lion formerly known yes. as Trash. But they must also have a good insight because they named their daughter that can turn invisible Violet. So, I mean, come on. How does that like, show that she's invisible? Ultraviolet. Ultraviolet, ultraviolet light. Oh, okay, because I was going to make a joke about this. So thank you. So there actually was a meaning to it. <laughs> and then, they, okay, so they've got the first two. And the third kid's name, what, Jack-Jack? Jack-Jack. Yeah. Jack of all trades. He, he doesn't have uh... one superpower. He has them all. Is that why you call him Jack twice? Jack Jack? Jack Jack. Yeah. Stupid. Mm. Um, okay, but anyway, on the nose, fair I enough. I ruined all your jokes. There you go. And there we go. So <laughs> we're really going to miss you this summer. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, um, and then uh, we have Dash, and Dash, we find out, we get introduced to Dash's powers through, uh, he gets called to the principal's office. Mom has to come in there, and the teacher's got him. The teacher's got him figured out, dead to rights. The kid moves. Look, if you look, at, you can see him just move, and there's like a, the slightest flicker, and he goes, "Say, Cedar goes, you're crazy." But of course, he's not crazy. He's got a hundred percent right. And that's where we find out that Dash isn't allowed to do sports, and he says, "You know, I'm especially going to use." He goes, "Everybody's special." He goes, "Yeah," and if everybody's special. That means no one is. And I'm like, "Hmm, interesting line." powerful concept i wonder if Mm. they'll come back to that yeah Uh, and then violet loves tony but she's invisible it's good that he didn't look over the ledge too much when he's looking for her though and see like this headless torso (laughs) just like sitting there because that'd mess a kid up i'm thinking maybe he did see her like that and that's why he's so like anxious around her later in the film (laughs) i did like how she was like he looked at me Kind of. Well, yeah, but he didn't, did he? <laughs> uh, back at home, 
Uh, Mr. Incredible's having a bad day. Something's falling underneath his car. I don't really know what it was. I was making a note. But he lifts up the car, and this is where we get a recurring joke of the neighbor kid seeing what he does. I, kid. I really like the neighbor kid. Yeah. He's, he's a nice, nice little Vic he's, he's a great little Vic character. Especially because I thought he was going to be almost like mute, and then he ends up being, I guess, like Brad Bird is from the sounds of it. Oh, he's voiced by Brad Bird's son, actually. Is he really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I like that. And so we have dinner, and it's like a full-out fight. And we find out here that Violet's other power, she gets two, is she can use force fields. Uh, apparently it will until she can't. Just I mean, she's scared. She's oh, scared. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That, that went both ways. Um, and then, uh, but we find out that she just wants to be normal. She does not like her powers. So Dash has powers and really wants to use them. Violet wish she didn't have powers. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you didn't have your powers, that guy would have totally seen you. And then what would you have mm-hmm. done? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, and then we find out that Mr. Incredible's going for a bowling night. And Bob is meeting, I don't know what the guy's uh, real world name was. Oh, uh, Lucius. Bob and Lucius. And Lucius uh, is his old, is it Frozo? Frozo. Frozo. I keep wanting to call him Frollo or Froyo. <laughs> I think I might just call him Froyo anyway. But um, it's, and it's, this is voiced by the incomparable Samuel L. Jackson. Love who him. actually, who that is. there were moments where I was going, I'm not sure if I would have known this was Samuel Jackson unless I, I, I knew what I knew early on. It's a very subdued performance. Yeah. Even, even in Star Wars, he's very... Super suit? It might even just be the Star fact... Wars, he's very Samuel L. Jackson. And oh, he is. Like oh, I don't, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> you have lost. You have lost. <laughs> um, and so they go, and we find out there, they sit around and they tell old-time war stories. And there, and this came an idea about Baron von Ruthless and how uh, Bob get, got him monologuing, and that's how. And the police scanner goes off because what they do, they thought it was a fire, so they go ahead, they rescue these people from a fire. After they have a hilarious uh, back and forth about how uh, Fro- Froyo can't make uh, ice because he's dehydrated. I'm like, if I knew I was going to go out, I think I'd make sure I had like like I just down two bottles of water before I went out for bowling night. Yeah, he, but like he gets all of his, he's dehydrated because he's in a fire. <laughs> Is he pee ice? Well, you'd think rather than pee, he could just like expel some ice and that would just get rid of it, wouldn't it? Oh, good thought. Like you wouldn't have to Does wait. he even need to pee? Can he just use his, use the water as ice? At which point, like, is there, like, just, like, wait? Like, okay, is he, like, making, like, dirty urine ice? Or does he have, like, a buildup of, like, waste in his body? Because that's the purpose of urine is to get that stuff out of you. Does he just have, like, the gross toxins in his body? Maybe he just, maybe he just shits them out instead. Oh, right out loud. <laughs> Tone lowered. And, um... You were talking about pee. I was. I was any words. I was using the word urine. You're in trouble okay, now. Uh, he he poops. expels the toxins in his stool instead. Go. Stools. Is that better? He's a stool pigeon. Okay, so. I and, like to think he pees like a normal person we, and just happens to shoot ice. So then Bob grabs the, the people and they run through a wall. The people who are saving from the fire. And it turns out they run through a wall into a jewelry shop. And at this point, fire stops. Because once they're in the jewelry store, the fire that's burning next door has no impact on the jewelry store beside it because that's how fires work. They respect legal property boundaries. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, that's, that's how it works. <laughs> and so 
and we see the building collapse. Like we see the building collapse from the outside, right? And then there's a police officer who comes in and tells him to freeze, which is quite funny. Uh, and this is very reminiscent, Georgia, to when we did Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yes. And it's not a phone, but he says, I need a drink instead. And he gets the drink and he says, I, told, I know what you said. You told me to freeze. And he uses his urine powers to uh, say to the policeman, you're in a block of ice now. And he is. And then like a bunch of other cops show up. And they oh, escape, line, though. which is they bust, they bust through and just go, we're police officers, as if you couldn't tell already. It's such a weird line. It's important to identify yourself. <laughs> um, at which point they escape by going back into the burning building, which we saw collapse from the outside in the previous shot. <laughs> like, at which point, how are you getting out? Because that was the exit point to get out of the burning building to begin with, was going yeah, in a jewelry collapse, shop. Then it's all an, es- all an escape route, right? If it's, a, if it's you collapsed just, all the you way. Just get, you climb it up through the, 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 the roof? You can it's escape through escape. the building if oh, there is no building. Ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. This part makes no sense. And they end up at home. And, I mean, Georgia, when you're at your outdoorsy work and you come and you, yes. you, you stink of like campfire. So I don't know oh, how yeah, Bob. Really th- I don't know how Bob thinks he's getting away with this when he gets home, uh, <laughs> unless and yet what she picks on is this tiny little fleck of this rubble. Fleck of not rubble, the not the fire. fact that you reek like charred bodies. <laughs> maybe their superpowers take up so much of their other senses that, like, their sense of smell is just null and void. Maybe like, because odd. he'd had the drink of water, he was able to coat them with like an icy glaze <laughs> they were able to sort of escape ICP like that glaze, yeah. there we go and so they get into an argument and i'm with bob on this because apparently dash is a graduation from fourth grade to fifth grade i do love this and, this go- and he's like brilliant. and he goes this is absolutely stupid this is not a milestone or an achievement it's just an excuse and i'm like i am with you bob there is no achievement about the fact that you graduated from fourth grade it's a milestone bull have less milestones so that when you actually have them, they mean something. Americans do have a lot of graduations. Do you hear that, America? Ellie just came for you. Yeah. <laughs> Stop having so many graduations. Dwayne Smith, feel free to come for her on Twitter next. I think Dwayne Smith's Dwayne English. I think, I think he's a Chelsea fan. Oh, that doesn't damn it. necessarily mean yeah, he's English. Which, which I'm an Arsenal supporter, so you know that, that there goes our our, our oh, review no, right don't there. Come for Ian instead. <laughs> don't bring football that. into the podcast. Goodness me. Um, and so. We there's an argument and then for some reason Bob's like like when you get into a fight you've always got something in your back pocket you're like well if she says this I'm gonna say this and so the fight back for you're not around enough is well you don't let him go for sports and I'm like how is that relevant it just, I mean it's like a it's, it's like a fight you just throw whatever you can you just like see what sticks what do I have it's like what do I have in my bag to throw it's not really relevant but I'm gonna chuck it <laughs> because I thought of something and so I'm going to it's say like- it. Testing to see if spaghetti's cooked. You throw it at the wall. If it sticks, it sticks. But if it's it's on the floor, you're like, what else do I have in this bag? <laughs> and now we cut to Bob. And he's, life is bad at home and life is worse at work. Because he's called into the office so that Vizzini can yell at him some more. And at this point, um, Fezzik uh, himself, in, in, the, in the form of Mr. Incredible, sees some guy getting mugged in the alley. At which point, I never knew super eyesight was part of this. But man, he can see well. Um. And so guys be mugged, he said, I gotta help him. He goes, No, you're not gonna help him. You leave, you're fired. And so he stops 
And he goes, good, I'm glad because you are this close to losing your job. And then you just see like an arm of like a fist and it just like, like, he like puts him through the wall. Five walls, I think. Five walls. <laughs> But no, that's great because you see him put him through a wall and you assume it's just one wall. And then you and have the reveal. Yeah. This shot of like different people popping out from their And offices. Bob's got this look on his face like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done this. And we do find out that Bob keeps screwing things up and they keep having to relocate the family over and over and over again because Bob keeps revealing his secret identity somehow. It's costing the government too much. Yeah. And so they just <laughs> unpacked the last box in their current house, which has been three years. And so... Um, we find out that Vizzini, Mr. House, funny name for a guy in house insurance, Mr. House, um, but he's in traction. Uh, and then there's a guy who's kind of the government agent who helps them out, and he looks oddly like Richard Nixon. I never thought about it until you said the that. The guy looks yeah, just like does. Richard Nixon, which I don't know what the purpose of that is, but I thought it was really interesting. I'm sure Dwayne would be happy to hear. I don't know who Richard Nixon is either. So uh, Richard, Richard Nixon no, was a, oh, he was a president of the United States. Okay, so I know the name, but I wouldn't know what he looked like. He's one of the presidents who was successfully impeached, and then he resigned before they could actually kick him out of office proper. He's the president in Futurama. Pardon me? He's, he's the f- president in Futurama. He is the president of Futurama. He's also, <laughs> the, he's also the president in The Watchmen. Oh yeah, yeah. In like in like that that alternate, which is kind of what this is. It's an alternate re- retelling of history. Actually, it's got some similarities to the Watchmen in that idea that the superheroes are, are, are outlawed. It's very much like Watchmen esque. It's going to be a really weird comparison. The Boys, not much like the Boys, but just in the themes of no one really wants superheroes anymore, and it's almost <laughs> like taboo. Yeah, I haven't less, seen less, that, but less I mean, swearing and viscera gore, but like family friendly. <laughs> Amazon Prime. Um, back to your Disney Plus. Well, not sponsored, but please Disney Plus. Where we will totally take a bribe. Affiliated, yes. I can't say. everything's I can't say. I can't say everything's a ten out of ten. Early, I will. I'd love to see the bad batch early. Please, Disney, send me snippets. But Thank like, you. I can. I can say I hate Olaf a little, a little bit less. I can. <laughs> I can. I can not swear as much underneath my breath when I watch uh, Frozen Two and see what he does. Um, moving on. Um, and so he gets back to his house and he's put his head down. He doesn't know how he's going to tell his wife he's lost his job. And the, we have the reveal, the neighbor kid's back. <laughs> and Bob yeah. looks at him and goes, what are you looking for? And the kid just goes, I don't know, something amazing, I guess. <laughs> and Bob he's just, so great. And Bob just goes, me too. And he goes in and he goes into his study. And as he goes into his study, we actually have an opening on, there's a magazine called Glory Days Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm like it's a little it's a little on the nose here isn't it um, and then he's got a tablet which has been somehow snuck into his papers by Mar- this woman named Mirage who we saw earlier sneaking around uh, when he was doing the rescuing from the fire she was sort of trailing him and we saw her go into his cubicle at work and so we find this here and there's a deal made that he, if he comes and helps take care of this rogue robot, he'll get triple his annual salary. Um, and so... And he has to respond within 24 hours. Yes, and of course, because everything's going nuts at home, he doesn't really understand what he's getting into. But he goes for it. And so he goes and shows up on this secret jungle island, and there's an AI spider kind of creature robot. Yeah, the Omni Druid. And it's kind it's got artificial intelligence that it learns. 
And this is where we get a couple of shots where we see, first off, uh, Mr. Incredible's very much gained weight. He's got a, he's got a tummy, and he can't get into the, um, what do you call it, a chute, maybe? It's like a capsule. Capsule. Yeah, it's like an escape pod. He can't thing. get into the capsule, and so until they like, ram him a bunch of times, and he finally gets in. Um, and this is where you find out what we were told. It's a learning robot. He does one thing. The robot figures it out. He does something else or figures it out. He throws it in lava. That's not good enough. And he finally realizes that if I can kind of distract it, I can make it pierce its own armor with its, like, mm. claws, for lack of a better word. <laughs> Stingers. I don't know what they're referred to. Arms. I don't know. Feet. Feet. Yeah. Um, pincers. Pincers. Good. And mm. so, um, And so as he defeats it, and the robot collapses. We see Mirage, and she's with a mystery man who's impressed, but we don't get to see who it is. Dun, dun, dun. Roland Barf's Enigma Code. Because you don't show me who it is, I want to see who it is even more. I was about to say, I heard that somewhat, then I realized it was on the most recent episode of Best Film Ever about the Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> Enigma Code, yes. Come for the film review, get a little free media education on the house. Um, and then... Uh, there's a dinner invitation, and I think the implication here is that the host is the one doing the invitation. Because otherwise, yeah. what's the point of a stupid dinner? You think so? Because what what what's the appeal? Because from a business perspective, there's no desire. Like what, they don't offer them anything new here, do they? Free food, free food. I, I guess food. it just seemed really strange. It only existed to say no, no, no. Our host will not be joining us. That's the only thing this this was was for to to frustrate to frustrate our desire to see that um, enigma fulfilled or revealed, if you will. And so, um, at this point, then we have a montage about how good life is at home because Mister Incredible's got his mojo back. He feels valued. He feels he's got worth. And, and there's lots of bum pinching. There's lots of bum pinching and connotations that there's a lot of sex going on between Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl. And there's a, knowing where the superpowers are, there's a bunch of questions about how that works. Oh, oh, I've got some questions that <laughs> will not go on this podcast. <laughs> because Can we I'm, do like talking to Mickey after dark? Because I'm just going to say, yeah. he's clearly got the strength of like 10 men. But she's also got the ability to transform into all sorts. Could she transform into her own diaphragm? diaphragm There's a post. We can... is, 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 a, is a form of birth control in okay. the United States. But, I mean, there's all sorts of logistics about uh, how that would work. But all we know is they're getting a lot of practice in because clearly they are. She buy, He buys a new car for himself. He buys her a new car. Um, I don't know. Like, he said he was up for a promotion, but that's one hell of a promotion all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Mm, especially if he's working a desk job it would have been I, I, I put this in my notes it would have, been more, it would have made more sense if he just said hey I'm working with this company that helps give old supers better jobs to help the disenfranchised from a non-superhero point of view but then again that's giving uh, him way too much credit because he's, he's, he's an idiot you also need to make this kid friendly though <laughs> and asking, none of those words are kid friendly. You're asking for kids to go, oh, I clearly, he's part of a shell corporation that works even. as a rehabilitation. <laughs> I don't even know what Ethan just said. So. Um, and then we get, he goes and sees Edna. And um, Edna, Edna whose open line to um, Mr. Incredible is, my God, you've gotten fat. 
<laughs> so I'm convinced my mother played uh, <laughs> Mr. Played Edna, but it's not um, my mother who played Edna. Ethan, do you know who played Edna? Uh, yes, this is Brad Bird. This is Brad Bird himself. Was originally going to be Tilly Tomlin, but uh, she heard Brad Bird's uh, like demos of it and went, "No, no, no, you you, you got to play this. You, you, you can't. You, you got to play this. I I can't do this. You're you're the best one." And Everyone loves Edna. He she wants... hosted the Oscars. Did she really? Yeah, um, when the it was the Oscars for that for that year, she oh, was the best, best animated costume. Pic- Oscar- oh, best costume, uh, okay. Best costumes, oh, yeah. They, they like uh, animated her and she's That's like, very cool. And the best costume goes to, I don't know what one. Can you imagine if you film. did all this work and then you have to f- pretend you're opposite this animated? I'm okay with that. They did that for when Lord of the Rings won. Because oh, remember, they, they CGI'd Andy Serkis like, being Gollum, being like, thank you for the Oscar. No, I hate you. Thank you. I hate you all. It's mine. Oh. Someone had to get paid to do that. Yes, they did. Um, <laughs> and so he wants a patch job because he's got a hole in his shoulder or something. Uh, but it turns of his suit. Of a suit. Uh, but she's like, no, no, I will make you a new suit. And this is a really interesting kind of concept. The idea that um, not only the superheroes, but everybody who was involved in the superhero industry, if you will, in that community, if you will, uh, they are just as much wanting to relive their glory days, too. And she needs someone to need her. Just like Mr. Incredible needs people to save and needs to get fulfillment that way, she needs to get her fulfillment by anticipating the needs of these superheroes. And she just has one thing that uh, well, that Mr. Incredible really wants, and she's like, no, it's not going to happen, and that is no capes. No capes. No capes. Because you could uh, turbines, rockets, and tornadoes are all bad if you have capes. And did I mishear her, or did she call his other suit a hobo suit? Yeah. No, it's a hobo suit. She did, okay. <laughs> There's because she's been sitting on fifteen years of plans, hasn't she? Of ways yeah. that she could improve and would improve. And she's been waiting to relive you know, she doesn't have, we assume, a Frozo who she can sit around and talk about the old days with. So what's she doing? It's almost like she's researching designing suits just in case. Um and so he has to tell his wife that he's got another mission because he's really, really good at playing it cool when like <sighs> Mirage phones again. And it, she, answer it. Of course, it, he picks up just to hear the whole, oh, I can get out of here pretty soon. Okay. Well, we, 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 we need you here tomorrow. Well, I'll be right there. Same, same place as last time? Yeah, same place as last time. <laughs> and this is just after she's found like a platinum hair. A platinum a hair on well. a suit. And so uh, she just kind of wants him to engage with her and, she, and he won't because he just wants to get to the thing that gives him meaning the problem is she thinks it's an affair and he it's actually his illicit job um can we appreciate how well mrs incredible like handles this situation mm. though does she like, okay really that's nice. does she really handle it well oh i think so she doesn't like blow up or anything she's like she's trying to wouldn't you challenge find it? Out what's going on where are you going why did i hear you talking to a woman on the phone or is that a, or is that a no-go He's, no, he, he's think, leaving. Just, he's leaving overnight. Isn't that question warranted? I think Georgia means more the decorum that she. Oh, she's she's yeah. there's, there's a lot of class there, and she's yeah, breaking. That's what I mean. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, she's very okay. classy, and maybe Mrs. okay. Is very classy. Let me let me pivot on this then, because we see Mister Incredible who is reliving his glory days and feeling that maybe like those are behind him, and at the same time we see Mrs. Incredible going through a similar crisis where now she feels she's lost the affection of her husband. Mm. 
And so maybe for her, this is a bit of a, what if our glory days are behind us? And if that's what she was getting her value from was being uh, a wife and a mother, then what does that mean if that's over? Yeah. So uh, all I know is that I want to be on this. I don't care if it's syndrome. I don't care if it's like evil. I want to be on this jet plane where they give you shrimp cocktail and mimosas until you arrive at your destination. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. pretty good. Because you want more that's mimosa? Like- and it'd be like, no, no, no. I want more shrimp cocktail. There would just be empty like cups of what shrimp cocktail had been all around me. I would be heavily vinegared by the time I made it <laughs> to... <laughs> Is shrimp cocktail even like a good sort of thing to eat before you do a hero's duty? It's not the most like he doesn't know what he's going. Does he know what he's going for yet? He just knows another mission, right? I don't think so. Yeah, because he I mean, is- even if you're doing a mission, you wouldn't like bulk up on on prawns. And there's bits of this, Ethan. What <laughs> protein, do you th- mate, it? protein. What do you think about this, Ethan? I've got that in places. This feels way more James Bond. But it does uh, superhero. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like it's like if uh, Superman well, actually fitting. The man from Uncle. Unlike Superman. unlike the costume earlier in the movie, <laughs> the, 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 man, the man from Uncle. What? Uh, it, I was going to say it's very. It's like as if Superman was also James Bond, but you kind of have that with Henry Cavill playing uh, the man from Uncle. Oh, is he really? Yeah. But okay. also, we get that in the music score. Can we just appreciate how well it fits to the film? Oh, it's so good. I Almost. Love that. Only, there's only one part I didn't like the scoring. I'll talk about it when we get there. But yeah, it was. Uh, it was M- Michael Giacchino G- is just fantastic. Chef's kiss to Michael Giacchino. Yes. I really liked how the waterfall opened up. That was very James Bond-esque. It was. I think that's part of it. It's just going, this is like a supervillain's lair, isn't it? Yeah. And um, can we, t- do I have, I'll talk about it later. I'll move on. Um, and so we find out from Eclipse. Eclipse? Not Eclipse. Was it? Mirage. 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 Uh, the other thing you see in the desert. Yeah. We find out that from Mirage that, um, he will be briefed in D-Wing, room A113. Georgia, do you want to talk to us about room A113? Room A113 is where the... Because Ellie's looking at me like, what are you on about? A113 is the classroom name of the um, room where they studied animation at Caltech. So this is like the original gang. So it's a little Easter egg towards where... And it shows up... their skill. It shows up in every Pixar okay. film. There's there, there's an A one one three reference yeah. somewhere. Oh. I think uh, the license plate for the Pizza Planet truck is like A one one three and mm. stuff like that. So Actually, it's not too Pizza often. Planet truck doesn't exist in this film. Th- no, it doesn't. No, Brad Bird forgot to put it in. Oh no! <laughs> wow. But um, it is. It's very rare you get the A one one three done in audio. Usually, it's just like a mm. sight gag that's somewhere in the background if you have to pay attention. But this one, they actually. It made me actually Google, did, did I just hear what, 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 what I thought I heard? And the answer was Google went, I don't know what you just heard, but there is an A113. And, uh, I had to get more specific. <laughs> Google said, can you get more specific about what it was you think you heard? And I went, oh, that makes a lot more sense, but quit it with the blue italics, would you? Um, and so we get version 2.0 of the... It's It's, it's, it's bigger, it's better, and he's losing now to the spider from Wild Wild West. And uh, this is where we hear it's bigger, it's stronger, and we find out that it's Buddy. Buddy's back, but not as Incrediboy. He is now Syndrome. And we kind of get that this was his origin story, but he took his fascination 
with uh, Mr. Incredible and use that to fuel the idea of it. You can be super even if you're not born super. You can manufacture your superness, which actually. It's not a bad message. It does give a message that, you know, why are some people. Because the, the Incredibles does give us the, me- the message, if you will, that some people are just innately better than others. <laughs> Whereas, if people were born with literal superpowers, then yeah, they kind of are. But where syndrome, but they might be morally but better. Hang on, but, just hear me out though. Syndrome goes to him and says, "I'm an inventor. I'm really, really good. I can help." To which point, Mister Incredible goes, "Kid, you're not born like one of us. Go back with your own kind. I got this." I mean, he didn't say it in as many words, did he? <laughs> no, he didn't. Maybe slightly paraphrased. Uh, slightly paraphrased, but I'm going, you know, there's no reason why Buddy couldn't have been nurtured. True. He could have been a cool tech boy. He could, he could have. He could have been like Q. I was just going to say that. Yeah. No, he could have been like Batman. In Batman. <laughs> yeah, but I don't like Batman and I like Q, so. Yeah, but do you like Syndrome? No. So there we go. <laughs> if it wasn't voiced by by Day from Alvin the Chipmunks, possibly. Now, who is Syndrome? Is Syndrome um... Jason something? Jason Lee. Jason Lee. Yeah, Jason, Jason Lee. Because I always thought it was Greg Kinnear for the longest time, but it's not. It's Jason Lee. And um, sure enough, uh, we find out that he tried Mr. Incredible plays one of his old tricks, and he catches Syndrome monologuing and tries to take him out. Which one? In case you missed it. Don't worry, because Syndrome's going to say, you sly dog, you got me monologuing. So we can all go, oh, it's that thing we talked about earlier. Thanks, movie. Yeah, that's a funny line. I like that. And he fires him. Uh, trying to escape, uh, Mr. Incredible ends up in the water. They have an explosion under the sea. Sebastian dies. Um, I'm sorry, he does. No, he doesn't. Uh, and then we get uh, Edna is with a guest. Uh, and the guest is... Elastigirl. girl. And we talk about an earlier call and the thread Edna that she Martin. found. And Edna has just whipped up a whole family's worth of suits. I love how her little lab has like a keypad, a handprint, a retina scanner, and voice recognition to get in. I missed that. It was fab. But she kept trying to say, my husband is retired. She was retired. Well, do you know where he is? And thankfully, the movie's going to show us exactly where he is now. Because Mr. Incredible sneaks in. Now that he's escaped um, the clutches, he's going to go right back into it, and he's going to go into supervillain Wikipedia, Project Cronus, which will let him know all his friends are dead. Cronus. With the exception <laughs> of Fro- Froyo and Elastigirl. And, uh, but it just so happens that at this moment, Edna wants to find out where Mr. Incredible is to answer her question, do you know where he is? She's going to show us where he is. And the problem is it goes off and this then alerts the room to capture him. Now, here's my problem with this. He has just successfully entered the password for the computer. So why is the room on full alarm to take him down? Super villain plot. It's a bit of a design flaw on Edna's part. Like, I love Edna, but why make it go off on the Why make it audible? Well? Like, you could just easily... Why, why does it have to be, like, incoming? Why can't it just be, like, like a sat-nav and you're going to see where it is? Because yeah. what yeah. if, like, a supervillain stole your suits and you wanted to track them down and get them back? You wouldn't want to let the supervillain know. Yeah, or what if you, exactly this thing happened? Like, you knew your superhero friend was trying to break into the bad guy's vault. Maybe you don't need to have that audible siren go off. I was trying to give an exciting, different example. Well, 
Um, and so the kids have to decide not they're going to be heroes or not because for some reason, is it Helen or Ellen? Ellen. Sorry, is that Ellen without the H? H. Helen. Oh, Helen. Yeah, I had that problem as yeah. well. She I, really, Ellen I really struggled point. with this. I didn't even know her name was Helen. Uh, I just called her Elastigirl. So Helen, for some reason, takes the babies and the, and the children's suits with her. Yeah, that was weird. It was weird that she took them home. Um, That's a bit of a, just a bit of a, aw. And then you're not going to believe this, guys, but the, the character who's quicker than everybody else manages mm. to get his hands on the suit. Wow. No. Without being stopped, yeah. And the invisible girl manages to get her hands in the suit because, you know, they couldn't see her. And, no way. And so the kids are told they're going to stay at home, and then Elastigirl is found flying a jet. Now, originally, they were going to create a whole different character just to fly the jet. Oh, snug. Yeah. He looks repulsive. Yeah. But then uh, I think it was Lassiter himself who went, well, why don't you have Elastigirl fly the jet? So, <laughs> so oh, don't do that. So, so Lassiter is not a friend to women. You're telling me he's this not. Shock you. Okay. So, uh, but anyway, it was his idea. It's just, it's just, it's not me going. Well, he's not so bad. He let her fly a jet. No, I'm not saying that at all. Um, and so, as this is going on, we have a torture scene going on with Bob because of his homing device. Um. And he's going, why did you call for help? And he's going, I didn't. At which point, again, I'm going syndrome. You're supposed to be a smart guy. Like, what is the benefit of it for Bob to, like, set off an audible alarm at that point? He successfully just infiltrated your lair. It's the last thing he wants to do. Um, how old? Let's have a couple things. Number one, can we talk about how old? Well, before we do that, sorry. The kids are discovered to be on the plane. Yeah. And uh, we find out that there's a sitter who's watching Jack-Jack. And then there are some missiles. And then in between this, I do want to ask, how old is Syndrome, do you think? Uh, how old is Syndrome originally? He's got to be like 30, right? He can't be 15 in that original one, can he? Uh, so like, uh, well, he's old enough to have invented Is he, is he 13? I'm not saying he's 10, but he's got to be like 13, 30, right? 13, 14. So yeah. does he seem like he's only 30 in that clip? Evil ages you though, doesn't it? Does it? Yeah. What do you think about yeah. what do you think about his supervillain um, makeup? Because his head is so big, oh and like Samuel God, L. J- and like Samuel. Oh wow! <laughs> I do have a big head, but I didn't think that was going to come out there. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson uh, in in Glass, sorry, not Glass, in Unbreakable, told us that supervillains in comic books have notoriously big heads. <laughs> so it's really interesting, the idea of it. If you, even if you look back when he was just being in, incredible, his head is really, really big. Lego had to remold stuff when they made the um, Sintro minifig because his head is so big. <laughs> That's funny. As someone who has suffered through the one-size-fits-all hat <laughs> craze, and I'm going, do not mock me, it's not true. Um <laughs> uh, Basically, I have to occasionally buy my hats from specialty hat shops. I, th- I, th- I think it's because of all the, uh, all the, all the, all the brain power and knowledge I've got and, and charisma. It's just too much for a standard sized head. But you say that though, and koala's brains are really, really. Don't take like- this away from me. <laughs> I need something to justify my comically, comically being literal in this sense. My comically large head. All right, I won't tell you a fact about koalas and their smooth brains. I do like koalas. <laughs> I do like koalas. Brains. 
I just want to, you know that you know that guy Ian. He's got a smooth brain. So I know, I know. And so back to the plane. The plane, like the plane blows up. But if I can just talk about this for a minute, Violet is told start your force field. At which point she can't do it. Like I don't know whatever reason she has for being here, but she can't do it. And her mom's yelling at her, and she can't do it in the moment. And the plane blows up, and the kids are saved by parachute mom. Mom makes herself into the shape of a parachute, and they uh, glide more or less peacefully down to the water. And can I just talk for a moment? Georgia, did you pick up on this? You're kind of our animation-style expert of the bunch, or, or commentator at least of the bunch. How good did the water look in this? There are bits in this animation throughout that is it's just so good. Like the, I mean, it's it's early Pixar, so it's going to be detailed and it's going to look good anyway. Yeah, um, the water was fantastic. It really was. Like those yeah. almost Especially like like when, like like when you're flying above water and it looks like it's got wrinkles and like folds in it, just the way that water sometimes does if you're over an ocean. Like it captured that brilliantly. It really did, yeah, yeah. Uh, like you could see the age of it a little bit when they were like when they were like uh, treading water in the ocean on the on the faces because they hadn't really done a whole lot of stuff with faces before. But uh, we had that it's even for the so year. Good. The year it was come out, came out in. Yeah, yeah. was it two thousand four? Like this is a it, it is a hell of a jump in terms of technology. Uh, and then we've got uh, mom's a boat, and Dash is the engine. As I have written down here, teamwork makes the dream work. Um, the water's <laughs> or it makes the boat work. Violet is left in charge. And I've got my like. Do you remember when you'd like leave? Like teacher would leave the classroom. Did it ever happen? You're like so and so's in charge, and you'd be like, "Yes, I am drunk with them. I am drunk with power for the next eight seconds until I realize this is meaningless." Yep. But you know, that whole idea of being called that you were in charge and the 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 mirage, if you will, that we thought that meant something. Um. Um, and so before mom leaves, she grabs Violet for a pep talk and says, if all else fails, I want you to use your powers. At which point Violet goes, but you said, no, no, no. you know what mom just said, Violet? Mom just said, turn your force field on. Save us, Violet. Turn your force field on. Violet sucks. No, that's, no, 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 no. Violet no. sucks. She's a scared kid. Violet sucks. Come on, come at me. Pressure situation. She might not be able to do it no, under my issue like isn't that. my issue's not with her not being able to perform. Okay? My issue is with Violet going, but you said we were never to use our powers. Yeah. Mom's wearing a superhero costume. Dad's in danger. You just asked me to save our lives from missiles by turning on my force field. The thing of you said never to use our powers, that ship has sailed. Yeah, she's a whiny bitch. <laughs> hang on and if i can continue with this then mom says to her don't worry honey if a time comes you'll know what to do no she didn't the time did come (laughs) it was up in the air with missiles and nothing happened here's the thing though if for 13 years of your life your formative years you have been told no don't do it. Your powers are not to be used. She just did you just dinner. do it. You're going to question when suddenly a flip is switched and they go, please, quick, do it now, do it now, do it now. Like, that's you mean, you mean the fact that mom's dressed in a superhero costume and so are you and so is your brother and you all have masks on isn't a cue enough for you that this is that time? Other example. No, that's still quite overwhelming. <laughs> um, anyway, 
um, the ship has sailed on that. Uh, Mirage tries to talk down Syndrome. And how is Mirage able to get away with all the sass she gives him in this? Because they're like lovers, obviously. There's a weird thing where she's... Yeah, he calls her sweetheart. I think he's like that evil 14, 15-year-old boy who will like school men and mothers and all that stuff. But you get him in the room with a, with a pretty girl and he's all like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, okay. Uh, can, and can we just talk, though, about the practicality of the need for a monorail on this base? It's cool. I just like it. <laughs> it's good for vi- this game. This game. This movie is very video gamey. Everything just has perfect levels and stuff like it that. Actually, it does lay out very much like a video game. Mm. Um, and then video uh, game is very good. Mom uses the monorail to sneak into the base, and she walks by a reflective wall. At which point, Mum looks down at her. Butt. And in case we missed it, don't worry. The camera's also going to go for a ride down to her butt. And she looks at the and she goes, huh. Now, do we need this in a f-ing kid's movie? No, it was weird. But it's a Pixar movie, though, isn't it? It's not a Disney movie right. at this point. It's a Pixar it's, movie. It's and this... they have always been family movies, not kids' okay. movies. But here's the deal. Bob becomes out of shape. Bob becomes out of shape in his stomach. Right? We're not showing that mum got fat. She's still super skinny. Mum's still super skinny. She's just got some junk in the trunk now. Yeah. I thought she always she can she can change where she puts her mass. That's true too. (laughs) I don't really get the whole point anyway. I'm sorry. I was kind of I was kind of into Helen Elastigirl. (laughs) So uh, and Elastigirl then gets trapped between many doors. And uh the the one the guard like seat. fires a shot and it bounces off every wall. Like, how is her leg not shot by this laser bullet? Like, all the guards get hit, but she's okay. Stormtrooper yeah, aim. Stormtrooper, well, <laughs> kind of reverse stormtrooper aim. Um, and then there's a rocket that takes off, and this is the big master plan. The rocket's going to deliver the Wild Wild West spider into the what's it called Chronos. Yeah, it's going to deliver Kronos into, it just happens to be into the Incredibles hometown, which is beneficial. Uh, or is it the hometown? Is it just, or do they just go to some city? Uh, no, no, because I think it's no. Metroville, yeah. It has to be because that's where um, Froyo is later on. Yeah. So, and here's my question the rocket takes off, but then a plane emerges from the rocket and flies the rest of the way. So, why do they need a rocket? I have no idea. It look cool. I think, I think kind of respectable supervillain kind of does like not Elon have Musk. a rocket. He likes everything to have an aesthetic. Like Elon Musk. Um, his syndrome is somehow more psychotic Elon Musk. I don't know how it's possible, but like he's just he's just a little bit more insane in in his presentation. And then, well, talking about extreme in presentation, we have a bird camera, um, <laughs> which, and when the bird discovers the kids and the mummer around. Like, they send, like, a bunch of guards, but you've got a... If it's the morning, and it's a a military-style camp that needs that many guards, and you've got a monorail, why aren't the guards already stationed all over the island? Why do you have all your guards in one location? Just a thought. Because the sensors and stuff are so good that they can get them there quickly, too. Well, apparently it didn't work out that well. This I had an issue with. Um, Mirage 
let's Mr. Incredible go because we did we kind of glossed over the fact that Mr. Incredible takes her hostage briefly earlier in the film and says he'll kill her. Oh yeah. And Syndrome's like, yeah, go ahead. And then Syndrome later says, no, I knew he wouldn't kill you. It's okay. And she had this whole speech about, you know, respecting life isn't bad. I'm like, you don't realize you were involved in the creation of a super killer spider robot that will kill thousands of people and already has I mean, killed like dozens. Addicted yeah. to power. Yeah. Her, her, her oh, she did say, oh, I'm addicted to the, I love power. But she says to him, next time you gamble, bet your own life. Yeah. So this point now, she releases Mr. Incredible. And he, his first inclination is, seeing this woman who's rescued him, is to strangle her. Strangle's even too nice of a word. Like, he's just fight flat out choking her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she kind of goes like, I, I, your children are alive. <laughs> and, and she goes, oh, cool. And so they hug. And wouldn't you know what? The hug is at the right time for a comic misunderstanding between Helen and Mirage. And then um, Helen punches her in the face. And never apologizes for that. Or has any comeuppance for it. Is it good? I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think it's unnecessary. I mean, she, she, she did kind of... There was a point where she did kind of take Bob away like, from she's her She's rescued. While. I mean, granted, I guess the, the wife would have saved um, Mr. Incredible, like, moments later. But she yeah. rescues him. And her reward for it is being choked by the husband and punched by the wife. I'm not sure that for Elastigirl it's ever actually cleared up that there wasn't an affair going on until much late. Well, I think I 30 seconds later when he calls her like the greatest woman he knows or something yeah. like that. I think that clears it up. Does it? Yeah, I think so. I think she's going clearly you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. Sounds if like it was smooth talking guy who's having an affair to me. Oh, I just love <laughs> going to the secret Island lair and having my life threatened by a super villain. So I can get, a, that's my cover story for the <laughs> affair I'm having. Um, and so, um, then we've got Dash is being, he's dashing, not through the snow, but through the jungle. And he's being chased by these guards and kind of like little flying UFO type things. This is where Elon Musk analogy comes in quite handy, actually. <laughs> and Ethan, I got a question, like, was this done in 3D at all? Because there are bits of Dash's run that felt like it was meant for a 3D audience. I don't think so, because this was a good couple years before 3D was really implemented in the films. Unless there was like an Incredibles 40 thing I didn't know about, but I think it was just for the effect. Yeah, it was just really, yeah, it was just really, it, it, look, it was made for, but I'm sitting there going, I know the timeline of, of Avatar and going, this is a good three, four years before that. I, I don't think it would happen. Uh, but can I say that by the time that Dash hits the water, uh, Michael Giacchino again, it just swells oh, and the score yeah. is phenomenal here. And then Violet disappears. Oh, Dash was saved earlier by a UFO ex machina. And now Violet disappears and is about to die in the water because the guy's like thrown some. He's really resourceful. The guard was really smart. Yeah. He like grabs some dirt. He's like, I'm going to throw a dirt in the water. I'm like, I wouldn't have known what to do. Uh, And just as about to happen, um, Dash like runs into him. And then they sort of team up and she creates a force field to save her brother. But then the force field's like a Zorb that they yeah. can like run into and has like physical properties that they can like maneuver. And then they run over their family and it's like, a, and then the family's together and you get that great hero shot of the four of them mm. in pose. Um, and that's what they're going to happen. And then in comes Syndrome who plays catch up and goes, you married Elastigirl? 
uh, and then reveals that his yes he got busy and reveals that his plan is to unleash Kronos and then he will save the day and this is the plot from Spider-Man Far From Home I'm going to create a villain I'm going to be the one to save us from that villain it's also the the, kind of the theme of Thor as well you know I'm going to create ish ish I'm going to let the ice giants in and then I will Mm -hmm. save us from, from, from the ice giants uh and then he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell this technology to everybody, and then everybody will be super. And if everybody's super, then no one will be. And I thought, what did you make of the marrying of these two lines from Dash and from um, Buddy? I thought it was I nice. It's I like it. Because they both kind of, in a sense, they both want to be um, Bob's son. It's the difference between like good parenting and bad parenting almost, isn't it? It's like what happens to this person depending on their situation and their circumstances. It's just not very often you see the same person fulfilling the role of the bad parent and the good parent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe it speaks to what Buddy could have been. Maybe he could have been better if uh, he'd just been not sent off and just go home and someone had seen a little bit of value in him. My, see, I, I really do feel for, for Buddy in this. I really, really do. Because he wanted to do good. If you think about Buddy when he was a child, he just wanted to do good. And it was the rejection of being told by your hero, I don't want you. Go home. And you can talk about safety and all that stuff, but there were better ways to do it. Yes, it was his wedding day, but like, think about maybe not the, so much what happens when they're at the, at the bank. Which, by the way, why is there a bank on like the eighth floor of that building? <laughs> but aside from that... Um, the idea, like, when he just, like, th- literally throws him out of the car, and it's for a laugh, and we laugh at Buddy. I think he put, puts him out with an ejector seat, I think so. <laughs> and we laugh at him, and I'm going, that's not necessary. That's, that's unnecessarily cruel. It's, it's to show character development, though, isn't it, between, from Mr. Incredible, like... Like, he's kind of high on his own supply at this point. Like, he thinks he's... That, he thinks he's all that. It's a superiority complex. Yeah, true enough. Um, and then... Uh, they get caught, and the four of them are in the, the same force field holder that Mr. Incredible was earlier. And, Georgia, you and I are fans of a certain YouTube um, program uh, over at Screen Junkies called yes. uh, Pitch Meeting. Yes. And this is the part where they'd go, boy, it must have been really, really difficult for the four of them to get out of that constraint. And you go, Super easy. Barely an inconvenience. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. She's just going to have a force field and like force field herself out. Oh, and, and, and the force field works on other electromagnetic sort of supplies? I don't know. Okay. I guess that works. <laughs> and, then, and then what's going to happen? Well, then Dash is going to be the only one who notices and they'll be like, hey, dad. And the mom will be like, no, no, son. You, you be quiet and let your father finish speaking. <laughs> oh, parents are nuts. <laughs> In essence, yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. me. Force fields are tight. tight force fields are tight. This is me basically just sending a love letter to the guy who does Ryan George. I think his name is who does uh, Screen Junkies pitch meetings. His I love really you. Good as well. His yeah, the first guy who ever did what? Yeah, it's really really good. Yeah. So um, I like time travel from the nineties. <laughs> yes, that is very good. Um, and so all the guards are in like an RV or cable news van for some reason. <laughs> I don't know the logic behind this. And I didn't think about that. Man, so, just what, 
watching. Huh? It's a surveillance van. Yeah, but it's like, why is it there? Why is it picking up the footage like it does? I don't know. Like, we saw they had like a, like a, a, a 3,000 inch screen in front of the electronic, like, save us area. And what's happened, by the way, to Mirage? Because she's still around. We know she's still around. So why couldn't she help get, save them the second time? She does. Yeah. No, she does. She why like doesn't she help seconds. them get out of the force field? They might have not been in there very long, to be fair. Like we said, it was super easy. Um, And so, like, they are, like, locked up for, like, 30 seconds of movie time. Like, it's not that bad at all. And then they go and they go, man, we need to get out of here. And all of a sudden, just Dash just turns in the corner and goes, what about this rocket? (laughs) Which is great when you just walk on a corner and the thing you need is right there. Because they went, oh, we need something faster than a plane. How about this rocket? Because of course you'd build two. Um, and then, really quietly, Bob asks, oh, I bet he's changed the computer password by now. Okay, how do we know that's even the case? But he goes, how will I even get, get, get into the computer? And then, like, he says it really softly. And then from across the warehouse, the, across from the hangar, we hear Mirage go, say please. And I'm going, how did she hear that? Her nickname is Mirage, not Super Hearing Woman. <laughs> I, I'll admit that the name needs some work, but you know, I'll, superhero so, Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, I was looking for something that rhymed with hedgehog. So yeah, <coughs> Sonic Boom. Um, so, oh no, we don't talk about Sonic Boom. <laughs> so and then Samuel Jackson finds out what's going on, and he wants in on the battle. His wife uh-huh. says, uh, no, it's for the greater good. She's like, I am your wife. I am the greater good. I am good. the greatest good you'll ever get. <laughs> um, which was a great little part. I don't know if anybody, do you, Ethan, do you know who played that role by any chance? No, I don't. Oh. I can search quickly. Um, it's Kimberly Adair Clark. Uh, can you find out maybe if she did something else at any point? Um, it's her name Honey in the film. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And um, then she's, she's used in loads of different Pixar films. Okay. So she's just kind of a voice actress then. Uh, Syndrome is winning until he isn't because this is a learning robot and quickly realized, like, at this point, don't you have an override for this? It's kind of ironic. Like, surely you would have, like, a switch that would go, okay, now you stop learning. You like, think now so, you just default. Yeah, Syndrome's not very clever, is it? <sighs> and so, again, what are the limits of Elastigirl's powers? Because yes. she is attached to the rocket, but she is carrying the RV surveillance van. So she has the strength of Mr. Incredible here and the elasticity of Elastigirl. Hmm. So I just, I kind of went, what, 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 what are the rules? I don't quite get it. Maybe uh, powers are passed on through, like, getting busy. And then, <laughs> and then they detach. They detach from the surveillance, the, from, from the rocket. And they're like, careful, kids, brace for impact. I'm like, you were a parachute earlier. Do the parachute thing again. And yeah, land softly. I did think this. Just a thought. They've not got time to land softly. They've got to go, go, go. Oh, this is lame, lame, lame. Um, and she uh, did that again. And then there's this whole debate that they should stay in the car because he can't lose the kids again. And this is the time, much like Ethan in The Last Jedi, when like everybody is about to die and the white salt is turning red. This is the time. And your friends might die. This is the time for some smooching. Because time, because George just said time was of the essence and we can't turn you into a parachute. So by all means, stop and have a makeout session in the middle of the freeway here. Priorities, um, Side note, for The Last Jedi, 
They weren't like near the danger, so it was fine, but still kind of dumb. Well, it's just, you're about to watch all your friends die. That's much, much, that's more my issue. Um, so at which point, Dad now says to Dash, "Go long," because the robot. Uh, so he throws in the remote across a long, 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 long way. The robot, the killer robot, has one gun, only one gun. So when they take it out, it has no more gun. And thankfully, Dad is here to remind us. The only thing strong enough to defeat the robot is itself. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the flashback, too. With some awful fade editing, can I just say, those little remembery sort yeah. of flashback scenes, absolutely awful. I really like this film, but from an editing point of view, I've got a lot of issues. Um, what can you do? We said that already. Uh, so they, they win the day. Uh, everybody loves superheroes again, and they go back into the limo where Richard Nixon tells them, we're going to work on getting superheroes legalized again. And then we find out there's a million calls from the babysitter because Jack-Jack's acting weird. But thanks, her for the, the last message. Thanks for the replacement sitter. What do you mean replacement sitter? Perfect timing just happens to be when the car is pulling up, which then also just happens to be as Syndrome is waiting for him to run through the door. Um, just great timing. Um, and so this felt to me, this whole last sequence incredibly tacked on. This was actually, this was the one scene that, um, Brad Bird wanted from the beginning. This was one of the only scenes that stayed from the original pitch. It was going to be very different, extremely different. Um, syndrome was going to, uh, appear actually originally syndrome didn't exist. It was a villain called, um, Xerxes or Xeres or Xeric. Yeah. Xeric. He was like some evil doctor. And Uh, I watched the syndrome was going to exist. Syndrome was going to exist. He was just going to be an an act one villain who they got rid of really early on. So then at the, like the end of the, the, the final idea was he, uh, they'd save the day they'd relocated and, uh, Dash and Violet don't exist. It's yeah. just this baby. And he was going to take the baby, and it's really cool because uh, Mrs. Incredible's like, don't destroy the house. We just got it looking nice. Then he comes in. Uh, Syndrome uses his little uh, finger laser gravity gun thing from Half-Life to like smash him around everywhere and destroy it. And he says to Elastigirl, get out now. You know you shouldn't get involved in superheroes. And then that's when the reveal will be that she's Elastigirl to Syndrome. He's like, oh, you married Elastigirl. And then the baby starts crying. He's like, oh, didn't you know superheroes aren't allowed to breed? And then he'd go and take the baby. Wow. Um, so that was always in the works, but it was just different sort of concepts. Now, this is where I'm going to go ahead and do what I like to do, which is rewrite the end of the movie. Ooh. How much? I know you want the reveal of what Jack-Jack is, Okay. For my version to work, you can't have that. I think the better story is somehow Syndrome takes Dash. The son who got, because they've been mirrored already through that line of dialogue. Mm -hmm. The guy who his dad believed in and gets to be a sidekick and gets to be a superhero because he was born with it. Versus the one who wanted it and called for it and begged for it and invented something and came up with something that could do some good. And I think that's the more powerful because this just felt so lazy. You can't catch Dash, Dash though, can you? That's the problem. You could put him. Well, he's he's got him in the, in the laser, doesn't he? As soon as he comes in that door, yeah. take Dash because he says, "I'll get your son. Whatever it takes, I'll get your son." Like this can easily transfer over. You could hit him with a ray that D dashes him for a moment. 
he hates he super just, so much. Why not? I mean, it, it's kind of what they do in the X-Men every movie, isn't it? We've created a serum. You're no longer a mutant. Ha ha. That's also or, Deadpool 2, isn't it? Here are some special handcuffs. You're no longer a mutant. Yeah, here is this special mm-hmm. jail. You're no longer a mutant. Um, anyway, so he takes him up. He flies up. We see Jack-Jack metamorphose through like three or four different powers. Uh, he turns into lead. He turns into fire. He turns into like a little beastie Tasmanian devil <laughs> thing. He was going to turn into goo, but it would have taken like an extra three months. And they went, no. I didn't care for any of it. I didn't. Uh, the, the only cool thing was we did get a payoff to the earlier pitch about capes. No capes. And the capes, it happens to be, thankfully, his plane is up there. Incredible throws a car. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. He throws a car. Yeah, this is really weird. He throws a car, kind of hits the plane a bit. Um, um, Syndrome gets sucked into it. And then he throws his wife to catch Jack-Jack. Jack-Jack. And he won't throw anything before this because he's afraid he'll hit Jack-Jack. So why does he throw the car? Because he's throwing it at the plane, not at Syndrome. Okay. And the great bit is everything blows up and lands. And then as the, uh, the um, Violet has to create like a little like force field to save them all from the plane landing and the debris landing. And as the smoke clears and the fire dissipates, we get the reveal of the neighbor kid who just goes, that was amazing. Totally wicked, actually. Totally wicked. <laughs> that was totally wicked. And you know what? It can be really easy for... Usually I'm the kind of guy who goes, I hate that kind of role where it's the super precocious child. I thought he's great. I, I thought he was great. In really he's small great. quantities, it's yeah. good. So because he's literally just like in three little scenes and for such a short time. And so we have a coda three months later. Uh, Dash is doing sports day. He's wearing number two. I went, that might be important. Sure enough, he has trying to train his body to not go too fast and he's gonna finish second every time that's what he's gonna do um which is i guess a win moral or whatever i don't know but because if anything he's taking a second place from a kid yeah i, I don't know what the logic like is here but trained for it or violet is asked out by tony uh she's wearing the color violet if anybody noticed Tony Ridinger. She's 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 wearing like a purple violet color, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was pink. No, it's purple. Yeah. Um, she's got her hair not covering her face anymore, and I don't like this. Kind of, sort of. Let me know what you think, ladies, especially you guys. I'm I'm curious to see what you think about this. He goes to her, ladies, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> hey, you guys. Um, hey, you guys. Tony goes, your hair, it's not covering Shout your face. Tony, it's not covering your, fo- your face anymore. Or Tony says, Violet, your hair's not covering your face anymore. She goes, yeah, yeah, it's different. Uh, he goes, yeah. She goes, Deep, bad, different? And he goes, no, no, I like it. Which one? She goes, oh, okay. And she gets her value from Tony approving of the change that she has made. Is this a good message? Because you wouldn't have done Would you have done it the other way around? I think the fact that she I then turns. her entire value. She then becomes really. She has her hair back as a super as well. But to be fair, he does sort of trip up on his words, and she like makes yeah, all the decisions. So the power mm. dynamics completely shifted, and I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing that she uh, wants a compliment from the boy that she likes. No, uh, I think it shows she's found her confidence. If anything, no, yeah. fair enough. And then, uh, as they're in the car park, we find out that there is the underminer. 
who comes out, and the underminer, Ethan, if it's got to be John Ratzenberger doing his cameo. Yeah, it's my boy. This is Cliff Clavin from Cheers. Yeah. God bless him. Uh, having his cameo, and the family is all ready to fight, and that is roll credits. Is this also the plot of The Incredibles 2? No, 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 no. no. Is it the first five minutes? Oh, is it really? It picks up here? Incredibles 2 opens on it. pick up directly from there. Oh, really? Which upsets me, because in 2006, Pixar released a sequel game to The Incredibles called Incredibles Rise of the Underminer, which was completely about The Underminer's story. So that's completely wiped from canon, and it upsets me. Oh, no. So I give this film a zero out of ten. <laughs> well, we're jumping ahead. Let's go ahead and crack through the usual. So anyway, um, that was Incredibles 2. Incredibles 2. That was Incredibles 1. <laughs> Fun time. I, I thought a little... Uh, it's actually quite a simple plot, isn't it? Yeah. I think I think we're, at, the, at the time we're watching this in 2020... Um, we have dealt with so many superhero films that I think it's they all fall into that same thing. Which, when this came out, this is revolutionary. Seeing it now, you're like, okay, this is almost like very low level in terms of stakes, which is nice. Yeah. Um, that's my thought. I mean, anybody? I mean, outside of that, we just start the usual things. I mean, favorite character? Edna. All the way. Really, that 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 little cameo was enough. Edna was amazing. Huh? I really liked her. But I Edna Mud. <laughs> I also didn't like any of the other characters, so that might have had something to do with it as well. Okay, Georgia. Um, I do love Edna. She holds a special place in my heart. Um, I also really like Helen. I think she's great. I think her calm demeanor is lovely. But she also she's not perfect, which is nice as well. Like, she does shout at her kids sometimes and then apologises for it later, which is really nice to see. I quite like that more accurate representation of a parental figure rather than either, like, dead... For dead mothers, parenting. it's dead, best mother ever, or t- worst mother ever. If it's not usually, yeah, yeah, and okay. it's, this is this is an, a nice middle ground, which I quite like. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I'll probably go with Helen. I think she's quite, I think she's quite cool. Something you want to add on to that, Ellie? Yeah, I, I really liked how they had quite an accurate representation of the marriage as well, that yeah. it wasn't perfect. And they had like the, the scene where they're arguing about which exit to take in the car. I thought that was really funny because that's yeah. quite accurate of like the high stress situation when you don't know which place, which way you're supposed to be going and you're in a hurry. Um, and I can't remember what the other bit was, so okay. I'll leave it. But there was another similar little tiff. Ponty? <laughs> I, uh, I really like, I really like Dash. Um, he's just like really? a nice, a, a nice burst of energy. He, I, I think it might just be the actor, but he has like real just joy and youthfulness to him, which I don't always see in like kids, kid actors for animated films. But he's just really funny and entertaining. And he was always the one that whenever he said something quippy, I was like, yeah, yeah, you say that, Dash. That's funny. I didn't get that much sort of like same energy or like care for a character throughout. He's just, he's just a nice person beam of of chaos i'm gonna go i'll i'll go ahead dash has killed like at least six people in this film as well like he's the only one who 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 like has on screen been doing murders yeah i think that might be why i like him too no one else sees it so he gets away with it um i'm gonna give an honorable mention to syndrome who i did really like uh, but I'm going to go with uh, Helen, Elastigirl, as well. 
I think she's complicated in, in a wonderful way. I think yeah. early on we find out that she and Mr. Incredible are diametrically opposed in a lot of things. And you have that whole opposite subtract or the idea of a different mindsets can do different things. But she is when he's all like, I just want to settle down. She's like, I don't see it happening with me. I'm not really feeling that. And then she's the one who's, you know, she's able to compartmentalize and go, look, I appreciate you want to live your glory days, but I need help with this now. And I need you to help me with this now. And then we can as a team and then we can figure out the next step when we need it. Um, And that idea of kind of that maternal sacrificing of the self for the betterment of the family unit. um, I like that. I thought Holly Hunter, who's a fantastic actress. Mm. uh, You might know her, Ethan, from uh, Batman versus Superman. She's the uh, Uh, she's the governor. Yes, that's it. The peach tree tea. So, yeah, quite interesting. Uh, so that's that. Uh, there's no songs to speak of. So maybe favorite scene, favorite bit, favorite moment. Um, I really liked the little kind of flashback bit with the capes, where because it's got Edna in it okay. for a start. But where she goes through all of the like horrific deaths that the superheroes have had because of the capes, and then the fact that you get the callback to it right at the end of the film, I really appreciated that. And I just thought that was really funny. Mm, Georgia. Um, I think it's mine's most. I don't think it's a big scene i think it's just little moments that i really like and a lot of it's because of the film being so quotable i just really appreciate all the little some of the script in this is great and dash delivering we're dead we're dead we survived but we're dead is like it's just really funny and i really like all of the little bits of script that aren't even necessarily like story moving or anything but they just add to the overall feel of the film which Mm -hmm. is really nice as well um and and just all the little details like there's uh, when they have that fight right at the beginning and she's like holding the kids under the table and they come back in for the rest of that scene they've all got messed up hair and like yeah. it just it's not something that you often see in like live action films that continuity of like little details let alone in an animated film um and so to see that is just really really cool i i really like the the team that worked on this i think must have done like it, it deserved to have taken three or four years to make because it was it was it's very very good and very much worth it. Finch, I uh, I really like uh, I I mean I like this film in general. This is like the most fantastic four film I'm ever gonna get to see in my lifetime probably, <laughs> which makes me sad. Um, but there's this little joke uh, when Mister Incredible is seeing like the um I th- I think it's a joke where I must have an awful mind, but it's when he's looking at the um the the video Mirage sends him. And uh, Helen's like, uh, dinner's raised. Like, oh, I'm just watching TV. I'm just trying to watch something. He's like, well, try harder. And I, I, I think that was like a porno joke. I think it was very much the 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 husband hidden away, trying to like dismissing everything. I just really like that scene. I don't think it was that. <laughs> I didn't get that impression. At all. I didn't get that. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Uh, get, get, uh, you can uh, get a hold of. Uh, the socials oh hang on george is not man in the socials now <laughs> we all have to get that that that, that stuff oh uh, yeah if anybody's after a date please don't message the socials the next few weeks because you're gonna get you're gonna get ethan or myself so <laughs> no one message me anyway oh no one wants if a we date. all of a sudden get loads of messages. <laughs> we know we know what's going on um what uh for me my favorite scene i'm gonna go with a little boy and and the, and the recurring joke of the reveal of the neighbor kid 
I really like that. I thought that was a that was a fun little moment. He's everything that Jack Jack wasn't. He was uh, <laughs> timely. He was subtle. He was uh, it was a joke worth worth waiting for. Um, is there a favorite element? Because since we don't have a song, is there a favorite element of the film? Sort of an aspect. I think Georgia kind of touched on it already with the continuity in the uh, in the animation, but. I don't have one, sorry. I'm going to go with, like, the water. I still think there are elements of this, smoke and water and fire and things they hadn't done before, and it just looked amazing. The people weren't perfect, but it was their first stab at doing it full out, so I'll give them a pass on that. But for 2004, I thought it looked mighty fine. Good job. Good job, Brad Bird and company. Ethan, something else I've missed? I, I just I, I love the music in this. Michael Giacchino is just on like yeah. a whole nother level of everything. Also, um, I'm looking through like his scores currently because he has great pun names for a lot of his um, songs usually, uh, and I just like that he's called the uh, the end credits the in credits, and it's just it's it's just <laughs> a nice little nice little pie. Michael Giacchino is working on new levels with his song titles. Even in uh, was it Solo or Rogue One, he just said. Great puns. Did he? Okay. Um, and then that goes to a little grumble. Little grumble? No? Ooh. Um, I, I just See, this is an audio format, so we really can't just sit here in silence and go, well. I just really wasn't feeling this film. Um, I'm trying to think of a specific thing. Come back to me. All right, Georgia? Um. I really like the film. I don't really have many grumbles other than the uh, mask physics. I just want to know how they work. <laughs> like, what what is going on there? Especially because even in the details, we see baby Incrediboy has a mask on, and he's obviously doesn't have the same physics because he's like painted around like his eyelids and eyes, and it's like you can see it's messy. That's a good so point. it's obviously not that. Yeah. But just come on, Edna. Just 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 show me. Just show me how they work. Um, Ethan. Uh. This is from an editing perspective. Uh, I do a lot of editing in my free time because that's what I study and want to, you know, do as a career. There's just some really bad audio mixing in this and some really bad transitions as well, specifically just the flashbacks to, like, the fade in, fade out. It's too quick. It doesn't look nice. It's really janky. But there's a whole bit in the final battle uh, when Frozone's running over, uh, over the water. There's just no Foley sounds. It's just soundtrack. <laughs> And they just completely forget to put in the sound effects, and it just really throws me. And I, it's just, I know it's a tiny thing, so I really like this film. But from an editing perspective, it it bugs me so much. I think you just, uh, I was sitting there kind of going, I'm not really sure what I have, but I do have something now. And we know one of my bugbears is when you waste a great talent, and I'm not sure you got your money's worth out of Samuel Jackson in this. Oh, agreed. Hmm. I think he's an interesting plot point that you can sort of use him for exposition to see that Bob really wants to get back in the game. But I felt that he could have done more in that third act final. At the very least, you could have had him hanging out with a family. In, 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 I, I, you, know, you could have had more of him in that capacity. He mm. could have equally been... I know it's a family story, but there had to be a way you can either incorporate him on the island or incorporate more of him in that third act. I mean, he's he, he's basically a family friend. I, I've never I've I understood the reason why is because you know they they uh, it was like we're trying it we were gonna get Frozone to kill him but we found Mister Incredible anyway. But even at the end, like you said, he needs more presence. He doesn't have any. Well, he kind of has presence in the second you, one, but still not enough. What if you open a room and you see that he's in a different room and Syndrome's had him tied up as well? 
And so you can still have most of the story about the family on the island, but you can still reveal him enough that he gets to feel a more organic part of, of, of the finish. I do yeah. wonder if that was maybe a bit of a cut storyline or something, because when we see Mr. Incredible first open Kronos, he looks for Elastigirl and her location is unknown. But then he looks for Frozone. Yeah, and it's his known. location is yeah. known. Yeah, it's an so interesting point. Wonder if- well, it was because they were going to get Frozone because at the beginning Mirage is like, "Oh, he's there with the fat guy." Oh, that's and I true. Think yeah, they, yeah. Were, they were planning. They were going to plan on getting Frozone first. Yeah. But I think they went, "Oh, well, Mister Incredible still can do his stuff, so let's just go straight to him." Yeah. Uh, that's from what I got. But he uh, has a bigger presence in the sequel game. Okay. So therefore, Rise of Undermine is better than the actual sequel. Noted. Um, so that would be mine. I mean, rankings time. I mean, what we do here is within uh, studios, we will rank them amongst them. So it's just only our third Pixar film. We have seen uh, Coco. We have seen Brave. And now we have seen The Incredibles. Where does it fit on your ranking? One being the best, three being the worst, and why? For me, it is definitely number three. Um, I don't think that's really a surprise. Um, I just, I didn't hate the film at all. And like, there wasn't anything specifically that I really disliked about it. I just didn't, there wasn't really anything I liked about it particularly either. Um, so I think Pixar films are always decent and, and watchable in any case. But compared to the other two, I didn't enjoy it anywhere near as much. Ethan! I, I'm... Oh, I'm going to kick myself for this. I'm going to put it at number two because I think Coco is, just, is a more enjoyable film overall. I really like this film, but that's because Coco is so good. Yep. And Incredibles is also very, very good. And I think I would be a liar if I didn't think say that I think they're both the same, but we can't put them in the same nope. spot. So I'm just going to put this at two. But it's like Coco, then like half a millimeter... <laughs> Incredibles, and then like a mile, and then it's brown. Wow. So, Ellie, you've got Coco as your number one as well, right? Yeah. Georgia. Um, I've got the same rankings as Ethan. Not perhaps the same amount of distance between um, Incredibles <laughs> and Brave, because um, I do quite like Brave, but Coco does just take the lead. Um, I think it's the music and the emotions that come with Coco that just tip it over the edge. Um, but yeah, I've got Incredibles in number two. Mine are fairly well spaced out. I've got Coco at one, I've got Brave at two, and I've got The Incredibles at three. Um, I, 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 I've told some people before, I kind of consider Incredibles to be the median Pixar film. And there's nothing, um, nothing wrong with Incredibles. And uh, Pixar, as, as Ellie stated, I mean, the quality we expect from a Pixar film is insanely high. And I think if you ask someone on the street to name their favorite five uh, Pixar films, I would be stunned if The Incredibles came out of their mouth. Not when Cars 3 exists. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen Cars 3. Uh, But no, I mean, the the, the stuff out there, and uh, it's not the first, and it's not the last, as far as timeline-wise. And um, there are insanely, I mean, I think by doing Coco so early off the hop, I mean, that's quite the bar to try and topple later on. Uh, but I think uh, I still stand by that. I think Incredibles is a middle of the road Pixar film. I think it separates the the really good from the just kind of good. It's a bit of a gatekeeper, and for me, The Incredibles is that just kind of good. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm very curious one day to look at the sequel and see uh, how I feel about that in comparison to this. It's a simple. Just as a side note, 
because uh, you don't like Jack Jack and his presence in this film, don't ever ride the incredible <laughs> coaster right. on uh, Pixar Pier in California. It is just about Jack um, Jack. Yeah, that, that, that won't happen. Uh, but <laughs> <Yeah>. just, <laughs> it, it, I found it to be just, maybe it was just too, I said it was simple. And I really do think it's kind of a simple storyline. Uh, I do appreciate some big questions that I went down. I'm not sure the film wanted me to ask those questions about um, fatherhood and about nurturing and about what would the difference be if syndrome. I I, I like syndrome. I really do. I feel very sorry for him. Um, I'm not sure the film wants me to feel sorry for him. No, <laughs> Actually, I would say the film doesn't want me to feel sorry for him, but I, but I do. I didn't get the impression they were really leading us down that path. No. I think it's an interesting point, but so, not one from Pixar. All that leaves us with is finding out what we are going to be doing next. I sort of should bring up our schedule for the next couple of weeks. Because just to keep people in the loop, so Georgia is leaving. Um, she's on, on she's Georgia. A. She's on suspension for letting Ethan <laughs> pick a terrible film. So um, what we are going to do is we are going to next Thursday we're going to have a regularly scheduled uh, episode, and for that episode we are going to be watching. Uh, is it Mister Ichabod and the Ichabod Toad? And Ichabod Mr. and Mister Toad. Toad? I think Ichabod and Mr. Toad right now it just in my mind has to beat Three Caballeros which is my last place we'll film. see we'll see uh, I'm, you know uh, I, I, it's, sorry it's the adventures of Ichabod adventures and Mr. Toad. of Ichabod and Mr. Toad I really enjoy reviewing the films I don't like so much so I'm, I'm at the very least hopeful that I can rant about something and then I feel it's important to mention in uh, just under two weeks time on Tuesday, July the something, we, 29th. 29th, we are going to be doing a crossover episode with Best Film Ever, where we are going back into the... Pi- the 30th. It's 28th on 28th. Tuesday. We are going to go back into the Pixar force field, so to speak, and we are going to be going back into the bag of toys and looking at the one that started it all, the granddaddy of them all, not WrestleMania, but Toy Story. <laughs> Toy Story, the original with Tom Hanks, John Ratzenberger, um, Wallace Woody Shawn. Allen. Sorry? Woody Allen? Not Woody no. Allen. Woody's the name of a character. Oh, Tim Allen. <laughs> Tim Allen. <laughs> it's a much different <laughs> film if it's Woody Allen. <laughs> oh, Oh, I'm. Just just like, it would be like this really like paranoid, awkward. Oh, I'm a, I'm 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 a spaceman. <laughs> oh no, um, I don't want that. No, I don't want that at all. Uh, Buzz Lightyear just freaking out yeah. over uh, over lobsters to to uh, infinity and beyond. <laughs> um, and so we're gonna be looking at that with a crossover with best film ever. So Liam will be joining us for that one. So it'll be Ethan, myself, Ellie, and Liam. And Not only I- am I on suspension, I'm being replaced. Well, <laughs> and by Liam. <laughs> so there we go. And Liam. So there we go. Liam, I love you, bud. So that will be on the Tuesday, the twenty, and that will be the role of that podcast for that week. We won't have two weeks from now. We won't have a Thursday release. We will just have the Tuesday release. So you've got the next two films for us there. So please join us next week when we do uh, the adventures of Ichabod and Mister Toad, and in two weeks when we look at Toy Story. So for talking the Mickey. I've been Ian. I've been Ellie. Oh, I might get a bit emotional. Oh. She's been, Georgia.
She's. <laughs> I've seen Georgia. I will be Georgia again, but not for about seven weeks. Oh, sad. And Anthony. <laughs> and although headlines don't sell papes, newsies sell papes. Edna taught us that you shouldn't wear capes. Oh. Wow. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>